All right. Well, welcome to the CJ show back for really the uh, reboot of the show. I have taken a huge break and have renamed the show from Rocks, Roots and Ruts. And I've gotten a lot of requests from folks on my YouTube channel that was watch that were watching the podcast and uh, people hitting me up on social media. So I finally got my crap back together and have committed to putting a schedule together and getting people on to to talk to that I'm really interested in. One of the things I wanted to do with renaming the show was kind of broaden the folks that I was talking to to be able to look at all kinds of different things and and things that our people are doing. And that's why one of the reasons I wanted to kick off this show with uh, my buddy Jake because he is doing something new and he has a ton of experience in, uh, in, in life, in business, in coaching. Uh, actually, Jake and I have known each other, I believe it's going to be eight years coming up soon. I don't know if you remember, right. but eight years ago, uh, we met at the CrossFit Regionals in Pomona, California. And uh, I was just launching uh, my print magazine there. And I met Jake. And the reason I remember that is because it was Mother's Day weekend. So I got a lot of crap for that, for having my wife out there handing out magazines all weekend. And our daughter started crawling that weekend while we were gone. So uh, that is one reason I remember our meeting <laughs> uh, that weekend. So, But I'm excited to have Jake on. I've known him, like I said, eight years. And he is uh, he's got a lot of experience from high-level athletics in martial arts to coaching and owning CrossFit gyms, really an OG CrossFit affiliate owner back in the very, very beginning and uh, owned multiple gyms. And also a software company. That's really where when we met, he was uh, he had a software company going, which was used for gyms and workouts and connecting members with their workouts and other members. And uh, and now he's taken all of that experience and I think really moving towards what he's always been passionate about, which was coaching. And I think that's one thing I've always noticed uh, is he has a willingness to coach and give advice. And it's just very natural. So. Welcome to the show, Jake. Hey, thanks a lot, Chris. It's uh, great to catch up with you, man. It's been forever. I know. I was trying to think about the last time we saw each other, and I can't remember if it was when you and Lamar were down and we watched a – did we watch a UFC fight at the house or something like that? <laughs> it was something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely uh, a few years ago. Because <laughs> it was in my For old sure. house. So That's right. Yeah. yeah. Lots – Lots is con things are constantly changing. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's been a it's been a whirlwind the last five years for sure. Yeah. Now, just for folks who don't know, you're up in uh, the Washington area. You're in That's Seattle, right. right? Yeah, I'm in uh, the Green Lake area of Seattle, which is, uh, I guess, the hotbed at the moment. A little uh, bit for the coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, we've done a pretty good job at mitigating everything over here. So hopefully we'll start seeing some, uh, you know, limited capacity, but we'll start seeing some stores opening up and gyms opening up and things like that, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, which will be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in California, we've been on lockdown pretty hard for four weeks now. So, yeah, uh, you know, hopefully we will get to the point where where things start opening up here pretty soon. That's right. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Well, for folks who don't know, I kind of alluded to, but I kind of wanted to start with some of your history and that way people kind of understand where you come from, some of the stuff you've done, and then we'll move into really what you're doing now with uh, your coaching and kind of 
how that's developed and where you see that going. Sure. Um, so uh, my professional career as a coach uh, pretty much started back in uh, the early 90s. Uh, in 1992, um, I opened up a Taekwondo school over in uh, Queen Anne, Seattle. And so originally being from New Jersey, I, I came out here to go to college. And so I found that uh, uh, Taekwondo was sort of a way for me to um, kind of keep a balance on the physical spiritual mental side of things while I was uh, going to school learning about psychology and and uh, and I was originally wanting to go to school for child psychology so I started off in the community colleges and then uh, went into uh, study taekwondo and then eventually um, I started to teach taekwondo and I found that I was pretty good at it and I was able to get quite a following and my master asked me if I would want to open up a Taekwondo school for him. And so I was like, sure. But uh, what I found uh, shortly after opening up the Taekwondo school was that I didn't have any time for college anymore. <laughs> I was thrown into the, <laughs> into the uh, life of an entrepreneur. And, um, and so I uh, took me a while to, to learn a lot about small business and learn about how to, you know, run classes and teach classes. And, and, uh, and I would say I did that, uh, primarily from 1992, uh, to about 2002 was, uh, when I eventually sold off my Taekwondo school. But during that I time, thought, I learned, what's did that? you, I thought you, did you do some level of competing in Taekwondo? I was a very, very low level local competitor. Okay, um, I couldn't for, remember. For I thought I remember we talked about it. Okay. Yeah, I think one of my one of my problems was I was just so darn injury prone. <laughs> I mean, I was always, <laughs> which is good as a coach because I can really be empathetic with people that are, you know, uh, have empathy towards people that are like, you know, going through injuries. But I was always plagued by injuries. I just had so many darn, uh, you know, sprained ankles and broken this and you know pulled that and and so. I just uh, one one point I just said, you know what, I think I'm just going to just put all my energy into being a really good coach. And uh, that's when I kind of hang up the hang up the pads and decided to just focus in on that. Um, but, you know, during all this time, uh, coaching kids and, and adults and, and Taekwondo, I um, always had a passion for fitness and I was always uh, trying to bridge the two of those elements together, the martial arts and the fitness side of things. And, and I always, uh, and, and then around 1997, 98, we were coming up on the 2000 Olympics because, uh, Taekwondo was going to be, uh, debuting as an Olympic sport. And so all of my kids and some of my adults all wanted to start competing and they wanted to get into Taekwondo. And so, so I, I was always really into the martial arts side of, of, uh, of Taekwondo. And so this was my, uh, kind of like my first experience sort of, getting into the competitive side of it. And uh, being that I was really into baseball and football growing up, I kind of liked it. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, I could, you know, have my cake and eat it too. I could uh, teach the martial arts side of it. And then I can also um, exercise my sports side of things, my, my love for sports. And I really loved actually the sport of Taekwondo. I found it to be very graceful and it was all based on uh, technique and, and it wasn't so much like wanting to beat someone up as it was, you know, really trying to to score points and, and win. 
on a point it's basis. Very strategic. Very strategic. I yeah. mean, it's like fencing. It's extremely strategic. And, um, and so I, we're like boxing. It's like boxing with your feet, basically. And so I, I really, really found myself submerged in that whole entire world. I, 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 I was trying to learn as much as I could about the sport. I was, I had back in the day, they had VHS tapes. I was sitting there looking at VHS tapes and dissecting out how people were moving and how they would, you know, how to, how to fight and stuff. And, and, um, and I remember, um, if I, I remember saying to myself, God, if I, if I want to learn this sport, you know, I, I don't want to look at, I don't want to look embarrassed, you know, because you go into a competition, you bring all your kids there and, and, and they get just demolished by everyone else that's there because I, my, my limited knowledge. So I, I really poured my heart and soul into learning the sport. And, um, and so, uh, I started with, you know, just tapes from the Korean national team. And then, then I went and started watching like all the tapes that were out the U.S. Nat, U.S. Uh, U.S. Open, international world championships and all that. And so, um, I, I really kind of sketched out an entire system of, uh, of Taekwondo and how to, how to, how to, how, how people were, were, uh, competing. And I applied it to my, to my members. And it took me a couple of years, but by, you know, probably 1999, 2000, you know, leading it, you know, right after the 2000 games, I, I really, um, felt that, uh, we had one of the top junior teams in the country. You know, we were, we would take a team of 15, 20 kids and, probably 80% of them would come back with like either gold medals or, or, or some, you know, silver or bronze. And we, we were uh, definitely the, the team to beat in the state of Washington at the time. And so uh, with that, I was finding myself going to national events and international events, you know, like the U.S. Open and whatnot, and, and uh, finding myself uh, sitting across from, you know, the national team coach who had a junior team and, and all these other like pretty prominent coaches. And um, and that kind of just sparked even more of this desire to to want to get better at competition. And so I started to um, learn more and more about fitness. And I got in. I, I took a, a course through the Czech Institute, which at the time, Paul Czech was sort of uh, this guru of core training, <laughs> you know, with this big physio balls and all this three dimensional movement patterns and core stability and all that kind of stuff. And it was sort of at the time pretty revolutionary. And I really took a liking to it and uh, became a Czech practitioner myself. And I kind of doubled up as this Czech practitioner and this martial arts uh, coach. And then I had my Taekwondo school that was kind of funding me at the time. And so um, it, in about 2001, I reached out to the national team and I asked them if they would be interested that, that the team coach at the time was uh, um well, it was Gene Lopez was, uh, the brother, the older brother to, uh, Steven Lopez, who just came off of winning the gold medal at the Olympics. And then most of the national team, I should say, came from their team. So I wasn't, he wasn't actually the team coach per se, but, but he represented a lot of the national players that were on the national team. And so I, I went to Gene and I, and I said, Hey, you know, I, I didn't know him from Adam. I was like, Hey, look, you know, I've got this uh, system of training. I'd like to run past you just to kind of see what you, what you think about it. And so I did like a small little demonstration and, and, uh, and within, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes, he, he was just asking me questions after questions after questions. And, and then, um, before you know, we just got into this really just long discussion about how these things that I, that, that this type of training and how it, 
how it can uh, really cross over into increasing the effectiveness of the Taekwondo fighters. And so uh, one thing led to another. We, we decided to um, do an experiment together and he came out to Seattle and, and we started to really kind of put this program together of how to train, uh, you know, take the fitness program and, and integrate it into Taekwondo. And at the same time, I was just picking his brain about Taekwondo and like, you know, and, and learning from him. And, and, um, and he was surprised to, to uh, learn that I knew as much as I did about the sport because he was one of the people I studied a lot of when we were competing. And so, um, so from there, we kind of joined hands and we created a company together and we, we came out with a series of educational tapes called The Cutting Edge of Taekwondo. And so we, I produced, you know, I was the uh, executive producer for those. And so we produced these videotapes. And then after that, we launched it, uh, launched the videotapes. And, and we were started coming up on to like 2003 type of period of time. And we had investors and, and we had this one investor who said, Hey, let's, uh, let's create it. Let's take the fitness side of that program that you have and let's see if we can mass produce it. So we kind of built out a fitness side of it, um, which was called Fit360. And um, my investor was pretty aggressive and he wanted to try to sell it to Nike. And so we put all of our eggs in the one basket and tried to sell this program <laughs> to Nike. And one thing led to another and Nike didn't buy it and he lost all of his money in it and, and uh, pulled the plug on the project. And that kind of left me um, with, uh, number one, I ended up as a result of, of that project with the Nike project, I sold off my Taekwondo school. Um, and then I uh, was also going through my divorce at the time with uh, my young, oldest son, Jay, or his mom. And so I was sort of in this place where I was like, oh, wow, I'm kind of like in nowhere land right now. It was like 2003. I have nothing going on. I basically uh, don't have a Taekwondo school. I don't have, you know, a means to make a living. And I went through another bout of, uh, of an injury. I ended up uh, herniating my discs in my lower back. So I was like suffering from herniated discs in my back. And um, one day I went to rehab and this, um, this guy, Todd Pratt, uh, he was the, uh, he had just gotten um, fired as part of the coaching staff for, uh, for Holmgren and the Seahawks, and he was the strength conditioning coach. And so he was working inside the inside the rehab place. And so we we struck up a conversation, and and uh, he asked me if I would want to come on board and help open up this new gym called Athletic Engineering for Olympic Physical Therapy. Uh, given that I had all this background that was similar to his background in fitness, and so I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we opened up this gym. And I kind of helped them build the whole gym out and stuff like that with my, I've opened up a couple of Taekwondo centers. So I kind of used that same format for opening up this gym. And, um, and then that project ended up, uh, just kind of dying out. And, and I found myself again, just in this place where I was like, wow, what do I do here? I don't know what I'm going to do with my time. So got a job, uh, just coaching people, teaching people fitness. And, um, I ran across this empty building. It was like 2000 and, uh, four-ish, I, I, op- I ran across this empty building over in Green Lake. And so I ended up uh, talking to the landlord. I was broke at the time. And I was like, hey, I just I could take this and turn it into a Taekwondo school. And so uh, I talked him into it and leased it out to me. And I did all this build out at the Taekwondo school. And, and then um, over time, I kind of just started to pick up clients for 
uh, teaching, you know, that, that we're doing tennis and I, and I got a contract at a tennis club and we started sending a bunch of tennis players to me that were kind of broken down athletes, older athletes. And, and so that was kind of like my practice from like 2004, um, to about 2007 ish, like the beginning of 2007, middle of 2007. Uh, during that time, I, I kind of, wanted something different i was just kind of getting burned out just being like this solo personal trainer uh coaching taekwondo and then uh really kind of just going oh, what am i you know what do i really want to do and there was this uh girl actually in the jiu-jitsu class that we, we used to lease out room to, uh, uh spaces jiu-jitsu program there was this girl i just said hey have you ever heard of crossfit and i was like no i never heard of crossfit before and um and so she's like, yeah, just go on CrossFit.com, check it out. And so, so I went on there and, and I was kind of curious about it. And I was like, yeah, this is interesting, but it kind of looked kind of dumb at the time. I think the workout of the day was, was like a one mile run or something. It was just like, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I remember one day going on there and it was a rest day. And I was just like, I was like, what, 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 what is this place? Right. Cause she kept telling me, Hey, you got to try it out CrossFit. Like, yeah, CrossFit. So, um, but she had a boyfriend that was going to uh, a gym over on Bellevue and he was, he got fired for teaching CrossFit over there and he was looking for a job. And so I said, you know what, let me, let me just interview him and see if he would be a good fit for somebody. I was looking to uh, bring in a different program. So I interviewed him and one thing led to another. Uh, we ended up together opening up CrossFit Northwest. And, and so we were, we were the, uh, second gym in Seattle to open up and we were just like, wow, this is for me. It was like, I was just looking for extra revenue just to kind of keep my gym going. Yeah. What year was that? What like 2008? This was, this was, uh, beginning of 2007. 2007. Yeah. So yeah. there were probably, I mean, a handful of affiliates. There probably weren't even that many at that point. Right. Oh, I think we were like, I, I think there was less than 200. Yeah. Yeah. Less than 200. I mean, maybe even a hundred. I don't, I don't recall. I just remember we were, we were, we were one of the first ones out here to start doing. It. I think there was, you know, one was CrossFit, uh, Seattle. The other one was like CrossFit Woodenville. And there's just like, there was a few, there's a handful of them here in uh, Washington. But at this time, I just kind of was like, well, whatever, you know, we'll see what happens with it. I was still doing Taekwondo. I was doing personal training. You know, we had Jiu Jitsu going. And then we had this CrossFit going. And, um, and then all of a sudden the CrossFit just started taking off, like probably at the end of 2007, we got our affiliate license. We, we got level one certified. And then, and then the, um, and then the guy that, uh, I was in part, uh, that I went into partnership with, he decided to want to move on to a different, uh, gym altogether because we just kind of didn't have the same. I wanted a big, if I was like, look, if you're going to be in this gym and you're going to take over all these classes, I want to blow this whole program up. And he was like, no, no, no. I want to keep this program pretty small. And, and I just want to keep it kind of, you know, within the scope of what I could coach and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, so we just have two different philosophies on it. And, um, and then, so, so, but before that even happened, I put his girlfriend into a gym over in Bellevue, the one that originally turned me on to CrossFit. And I ended up having CrossFit Bellevue. And so I ended up having two CrossFit programs. And I was only one of the first um, uh, CrossFit gym owners to have two gyms. Yeah, I remember talking have, about that. At that point, there was no really affiliate program for multiple CrossFit gyms at that point. 
Right. And, and, and the, the thing was, it's like I had my name on two affiliate licenses and that wasn't really heard of at the time. Um, and so here I had this really small dinky little gym in Bellevue with a CrossFit license. And then I had the one in Green Lake. And, and so it was like 2008. And then, uh, and then the two of us kind of parted ways. And, and then in 2000, middle, middle of 2008, I just, threw all my eggs into one basket. I got rid of the Taekwondo program, got rid of the jujitsu program. And I just put all my eggs in one basket and just said, you know what, I'm just going to see what I could do with it. Cause by that time I had enough experience coaching it and running the program to where I felt like I could, I could kind of uh, take advantage of, of it and, and see if what I could do. And as far as like growing it. And so I, I, um, so I just, just started uh, just putting all my eggs in one basket and then, and then that's really re- where, uh, where I started from. And then, um, and in 2009, we had roughly about 150 members, which was really big for a CrossFit gym back then. And we had about 75, 80 members in our Bellevue program. And so for me, being that I was in Taekwondo, those were kind of the numbers I used to have in my Taekwondo school. So I was like very comfortable. I had, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I can handle this. You know, this is, this is just like doing Taekwondo, but you're doing fitness. And so, right. so were you, co- you were coaching all of that on your own at that point? Well, I had, yeah, I was coaching most of all the classes. And then I had, um, I had a couple of coaches under me at that time. I think there was probably about four of us at the time. I had two that were coaching over in my Bellevue gym. And then it was me and my coach, uh, this coach Tyler that I had. And so, uh, we basically are running everything at that point. And then, um, but the, the gym quickly started to grow and grow and grow in 2009. And, um, and then of course we went to the CrossFit games and we won the CrossFit games in 2009, you know, my Green Lake gym. And, and that was really like a big boost for us, at least, um, as far as like giving us like street cred, um, you know, among all the, all the CrossFit programs. Right, yeah. Elevating the, uh, the, the affiliate name. Right, exactly. And, and so all of a sudden I, so then I found myself in, in, in a state of where I was like, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, you know, I want to, you know, this thing is like, I got people pouring all over the parking lot, people outside everywhere. And, you know, gyms were just kind of blowing up and no one really knew what we were doing back then. It was just like throwing mud up against the wall, see if it'd stick. And the beauty of and, it was you didn't even really need to market it. No, right? I didn't do it. The name itself. And that was the beauty back then was you didn't need to market CrossFit at all. It was marketing market. itself. Oh, you, you felt like you were just like the luckiest person on the planet. Like, I mean, I was just, I was like living a dream. I couldn't believe it. You know, I was like, talk about having a, a really good um, problem, you know, where you can't find people like where to put them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. like, there were so many of them. <laughs> like I had like 75 people showing up to a class, you know, we had pouring out of the, pouring out into the parking lot down that the street and the city shut us down eventually. And uh, told us we had to have everybody inside the building. And so I had to talk to the landlord into building a bigger place for us. And so then we built this, uh, this, this out, you know, this, we took the parking lot, we built a building in our Green Lake location. And then at the same time, I, uh, it was 2010. So the housing crisis was at full bloom and, and the, all the, there are so many cheap properties all over the place and people were renting out all kinds of garages everywhere. Gyms were popping up everywhere on every street corner. So I came up across another gym. Uh, um, I opened up another gym over in Ballard, on a really busy street right on the corner, and um, built that gym out. 
And now all of a sudden we had three gyms. I had moved my Bellevue gym into a bigger location. Uh, in fact, I, I think about 2010, 2011, I built it. It was in a, it was like, it had like 7,000 square foot location. And then my Bellevue gym and my Greenlee gym were both about 4,000 square feet. So, so we were just really humming. And, and it was just all the classes were standing room only. And, uh, but we were injuring people like crazy. Like it was, it was unbelievable the amount of injuries that we would be getting in the gyms and stuff like that. No matter, no matter what we were doing to try to keep people to calm down, <laughs> they were just coming in and, and just wrecking themselves. Like you are speaking. You're speaking the unspeakable right now. <laughs> oh my God, it was unbelievable, man. We had we had so many people that were getting crazy injured, and because there was just this like big contingency of people that wanted to compete that should never ever even think about competing, um, and and, they, and so they were all trying to get into competition. Everybody wanted to compete. We had competitions with their gyms. We were on competitions every weekend. It was just it was just crazy, and and so but we were just. <clears throat> Uh, line in the pockets of all these like chiropractors and physical therapists and orthopedic doctors and and all that kind of stuff i mean i probably sent at least a half a dozen people to the hospital for all kinds of various stupid things i mean it was just a, one of those times in, in uh in in crossfit where you were just trying to get a handle on how do you keep this safe and get get the safety aspect in there and you, these people are just so crazy about their their their, their crossfit you could couldn't tell them to slow down. Couldn't tell them to get better form. You couldn't do any of these things without like um, anarchy on your hands. You yeah, know? and it became this thing where people wanted to train seven days a week. They wanted oh, yeah. to come to class every single day. <laughs> every day, they were so addicted to it. It was like they would wear all these like you know everyone was dressing this all these weird sort of like you know like clowns. You know they would come in. They would have they would have these like you know, big socks rolled all the way up above their knees and, you know, headbands on or, you know, you had wad gear came out, you know, it was like, like, you know, all these, it was just such a cultural uh, shift. And, um, you know, and meanwhile, I was like, you know, I'm just sitting back just uh, going, wow, this is just insane. Um, but I really started getting concerned uh, around 2013 about the direction everything was going into. Um, and that was our biggest year we ever had. I mean, we had, you know, three gyms. They were maxed out, man. I mean, I was just like, I think we had almost a thousand members between the three gyms. And I just couldn't, I was just like, wow, this is, this is insane. And I had a staff of like 25 coaches and, you know, like, and then, you know, people that were controlling different things. Like I had a bookkeeper and I had, you know, a marketing person. I had this person, I had three general managers. And so, um, and then, and then all of a sudden, 2014 came, and all of a sudden you started seeing different gyms start. I mean, the gyms uh, got saturated. Um, there was, um, you know, I just I just noticed a, a, a shift happening in the industry, and and then I uh, had a, an important decision to make because back in 2012, I signed a letter of intent on another piece of property with Whole Foods on a brand new building. I remember that. Yeah, and so I was thinking, oh my God, I'm gonna have my flagship gym. And it was 2014, and I was noticing the shift in everything in the market. You know, Arch Theory was started coming out, and and all these other gyms started popping up. And um, and I just started going. I I was like, God, you know, I was on the fence about opening it or not opening it. And then I talked myself into opening it up, and I threw all my eggs in that basket. 
all my finances into it. And then, um, and I also subsequently went through a devastating divorce in 2015, right when I opened up that gym. And, um, and that's when I really started to feel the, the, uh, the, the pain of, of the market. And I, and all of a sudden I found myself in a, in a really weird place. And, um, and I think that's where things really kind of shifted for me. Um, and I, and I started to, Look at my life and go, wow, what is going on here? I've, I've, I've went through it. I'm going through a divorce. I got these four gyms and I got this new, new startup. The market's shifting and I just started to become more and more lost. And the, um, and then my ex, uh, went and took over one of my, my most profitable gyms, my Ballard gym. And it was like someone took the queen off my chessboard. And literally, I was fighting a chess master with no queen. And the, uh, the, the sh- it was like being on a Titanic and the ship is absolutely, it's not just taking water on, it's actually sinking. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's going off a cliff. <laughs> and, uh, I can laugh at it now just because I've healed up from it. But at the time, I, I was just, I was just going through a lot of devastation. That's why I actually reached out and Lamar came up from LA yeah. and became yep. a general manager and tried to help me navigate my way through it. Uh, he did an amazing job, but, but it was just too big of a problem for us to solve. It was, you know, when, when, um, the whole business was built on all the gyms being together and all of a sudden the main one is taken out and all of a sudden you're finding yourself in this position where you're like just trying to keep yourself alive. And right. also you have no financial resources. And CrossFit itself was changing so much oh my at God, the time. Yeah. I mean, I look at it from the perspective of owning the magazine and basically fighting with them from day one as them not wanting us to be part of CrossFit and really yeah. looking at us almost as a competitor uh, to the point where we finally just we stopped. And to look at it now right. today, they want media, right? They've gotten rid of everything and they want media. So it shifted so much. But at that time, just looking at it, yeah, I felt so bad for affiliates in general. One, just they saturated, they completely saturated it, right? There yeah. was no protection. There was nothing. And it was still at that point, just the wild west. Oh God. You know, I, I mean, I don't even know how, how deep I can go into this rabbit hole with you. Um, <laughs> we probably regards, shouldn't. We probably shouldn't. I mean, in regards to, I mean, we're, we're talking like, I don't know if we have enough time on this. To, to go yeah, through, yeah. But, um, but just, just to kind of like tell you, like, um, I felt like the house of cards just all came down in 2015 for me on a personal level, for, for me on a business level, but on a market level, CrossFit. And so, so I was like a really, it was like just this like trilateral, just boom, just like, you know, a complete collapse. And, um, you know, and then you, you know, so, so, you know, just out of self-preservation, I was just going, okay, well, you know, I've got to do something, you know, I've got to figure this out somehow. Um, but you know, the clock is ticking every single day. It's, you know, money's, you know, I'm losing money, I'm losing money and, and, and debt's going up and, and, you know, and whatnot. And so, um, in 2000 and, uh, by in 2016, I had a bank call the note on the money that I had gotten to build out the new building because all of a sudden my main gym wasn't on the wasn't on the, the note any longer. So all of a sudden I found myself going, okay, this can't get any worse. Now it's like 
I can't even get the gym stabilized. I'm, I'm, I'm having to pay back this huge debt and the market shifted. Everyone's kind of going into orange theory now. So the pool of people that you're trying to attract also dries up. And so the, you, you really, I really found myself by 2018 just with my hands up surrendering. And I started trying to find people I could sell the gyms off to and, um, and, you know, and, and being that they were upside down, you know, and, and I had, uh, I mean, I could, they weren't really that bad, you know, as far as like, if you wanted, if I wanted to just kind of give them away, they were probably okay. Maybe I can make a little bit of money on them, but it wasn't, I just kind of was in this, like, it wasn't worth it to sell them. It wasn't worth it to keep them. And, and I started to really start looking at my options as to what I really want to do. And, and, um, and so through all of my, uh, work that I've been putting myself through to keep myself sane and and not die from all of this you know i i um i started to really in 2017 i kind of uh was coming up on my 50th birthday and i was really unhealthy i had was drinking a lot just kind of like you know just sort of med self-medicate i had re-injured my back so i was like on painkillers i had uh reached a point where i was like you know out of all of this, I might not be able to save the gyms, but you know, I need to really save myself. I, you know, I started looking, I, I looked out at my, my, at the time, my, my, my little guy was like two years old. And I was like, you know, there's, this is way, there's things that are way more important than this, you know, that I need to really kind of focus in on. One is my health, number one, because without that, I'm never going to get myself into a place that I need to be. And so, so I really went into, um, this, uh, place that's really, deep place um, where I just kind of withdrawn. I kind of withdrew myself from everything um, and just kind of started working on a lot of fundamentals. And so I wanted to get back to my martial arts roots. You know, my, you know, I remember I used to be really in control of my life when I was in the martial arts. And I, and I remember I did a lot of meditation. I did a lot of, a lot of the intangibles that we, that we call intangibles in fitness I used to do a lot of those. You stretch for long periods of time, meditate, eat That's well. one thing I'd say that uh, being in martial arts when I was young and then moving into fitness at other areas and, and CrossFit specifically, the martial arts has always had this discipline that is lacked, it feels like, in other sports. And it speaks to that, right? Those fundamentals, the the mental side of it, the meditation the, it's just much more spiritual, much more disciplined, I'd say. Yeah, a hundred percent. And 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 that's the big epiphany that I had was, um, you know, one day I was just like, you know, I was going into, I was going in, I was doing meditation every morning. I was waking up, and I was just like, you know, what, I'm I'm gonna force myself to get back into meditating because I knew meditation was really what I used to always use to kind of keep perspective of on life and and i have really gotten away from it uh with all the craziness of the business and and all of that i got away from it and so so i started getting really back to my roots and one thing that kind of really struck a nerve in me was was i started realizing that you know fitness is really a, a spiritual pursuit it's like it's it's uh it really starts with a deep deep love that you have for yourself and and, and, and if you don't have that deep love for yourself, um, then then it, it becomes fitness becomes really sort of um, something you just kind of do, 
you uh, you do you you fall off the wagon you kind of come back right, around back right it. yep, and yep. You're just yeah you're just trying to satisfy the physical side of it and so so i so when i when i started like you know going you know fitness is really about you know the deep the spirit the deep love you have for yourself whatever whatever you want to call that you know the spiritual side of, of that connection you have with yourself and then and then from that deep love comes the the mental side of it. So you start building the mental framework around that love, you know, and the architecture around that love. And, and that is, you know, the, the habits and the rituals and the, you know, the, uh, you know, the planning and, and the organization of your thoughts and how you want to, how you want to make, make, make an impact on your, on your, on your life. Because if you have a deep love for yourself, you're, you're going to want to work on your health. You know, you're going to want to make yourself strong and fit and, and um, and so I so mental health to me and having the right mindset was really the next stage of that, you know, and just becoming uh, super self-aware of, of, of that. And then and then the physical side of it was just going to be a manifestation of the other two. And and so it wasn't like my focus was on the physical side of it, because then I lose my focus on the mental and the spiritual side. So it's right. really I just. So the more I focused on the spiritual side, that deep connection I have with myself, that deep love I have for myself, um, that self-awareness, that self-talk, you know, uh, and turning turning that self-talk into, you know, because our, our world is developed from language, you know, it's really developed from the words that we use, and and it's it's the, everything is developed through language. And so, if if your language is is self-defeating and your language is not is of a negative nature. Um, and you allow that to kind of rule your life, it's, it's very difficult for you to have that deep connection you have with yourself. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because, um, you know, I really started when I started the YouTube channel a little over a year ago, I was coming off of being in terrible shape from rebuilding a new house or knocking down a house and rebuilding it. Right. And coming from a place where I kind of lost all of my endurance base and was overweight. And, and I started with, the fitness side of it, right? Wanting to lose weight, wanting to uh, get back in shape and went through about a year. And at some point, what started happening was the the mental side, right? Started to weigh on me where I couldn't concentrate during workouts. There were just a lot of things going on where the I hadn't built the mental side, right? I wasn't meditating. I wasn't doing any sort of journaling. I wasn't really working on myself. It was all about the fitness. What could I achieve? The goal was, you know, running a certain distance and not until probably January of this year, February, did I really start to try and start searching for a way to fix that. And it's funny because the meditation and the the journaling and the, and the other side, trying to be very self-aware, be very present is now made the workouts uh, so much better. Mm-hmm. And the workouts have become a tool actually to the meditation and to the journaling. And they're just a, a piece of it. They're, they're not at first it was I'm going to do this to help my workouts. But really what mm-hmm. it, it's kind of started to turn and that the workouts are just, uh, I don't know, you know, I get up in the morning, I'll meditate and I'll, I'll I've started journaling and, and then, then I go into the workouts and the, it, it's almost like just that next piece to 
release stress, release, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's just different. It, it's my mindset is changing the more I do the other things. And nice. I'm still I'm still trying to figure it out. Right. I'm still trying to understand it all. But I've noticed that um, my concentration, my ability to uh, focus on workouts and not my mind isn't wondering, things like that um, are starting to occur. Nice. And, and, and I, I, I think that that's one of the that's one of the most important aspects, I think, of change. Right. Is if you know, if you want to if you want to make any changes in your life, um, you've, you've got to you know, build your, you got to build a process of change in your, in in your, in your life, in your body. And, and it starts, I believe, I believe it starts first with, um, with being able to, uh, at least uh, put the practices in place of, you know, meditation of, uh, mindfulness, you know, what is mindfulness, you know, being, you know, open-minded, being curious, um, you know, opening up your heart, you know, understanding that your language is a big part of your entire world and uh, speaking from your heart versus always speaking from the biases of your brain and and really start to, like, uh, listen deeply to people and 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 start questioning yourself, like question, like ask yourself questions. Like, I think one of the most important things I did in throughout all this, I did an exercise where I did a death exercise where I where I was, um, you know, we always talk about it. It's kind of cliche, you know, like, you know, picture what a life would be like if you only had 24 hours to live, you know, but, you know, you can look at, you can look at that question and you can look at it at different multiple angles and, and, and depending on how much time and effort you want to put into that question is going to be pretty profound, you know? And so, um, because in that question, you're going to discover that there are things in your life that you really truly they're there and, and they, they became, they're, they're there as a result of you doing things that you, that weren't really in line with what you really wanted your life to be like, your values and what have you. And, and you also discover things that are missing out of your life. You know, like are, if you have regrets, that's a great exercise. Like, what do you regret? Do you have any regrets? You know, besides the cliche of, oh, don't, you know, live your life without regrets. But, but do you, seriously, do you have something in your life that you're, wanted to do or 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 something you wanted to say or to somebody or or something like that and and you start putting a list together right and um you know and, and another way of looking at this besides the death exercises is that there's a uh, um when I was going through coaching uh learning how to coach and whatnot I, one of the things that we stumbled upon was was the miracle question you know like like take your life right now and and um and you have, let's just say, say you have a completely normal day, your average run of the mill day. And, and then you go to bed that night. And so, you know, you put your kids to bed you go to, you know, you're watching Netflix with your wife and then you go to bed and then in the middle of the night, a miracle happens and, and all, but you don't know it happened. It just happened. And that morning you woke up and all of a sudden you're living in your dream house. You have your dream life. You have your dream, your dream job. You have you know, your dream, everything, everything you've ever wanted in your life is all of a sudden now you have it. What is all those things, you know, and write them all down. And then and then on the left column, you put that in your right column and on your left column, you write down all those things that uh, you have currently in your life. Right. And then you draw a line down the middle. And then and then I call that line. That's 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 
that's your change process. Like that's your, that, that right there is, is, is the change process right there. That's your, and I call that the morph method for me, you know, and for everyone else, they have their own morph method. But in order to make any changes in your life, you know, the first thing you have to do is you have to become mindful, you know, and so you have to open your mind, you know, and then, and then, and then from there, you have to, you have to become organized and disciplined and, um, and, and be intentional. And, 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 um, and a lot of those, those things are hidden deep inside of you and you have to bring them out. And so, um, and then from there, you know, you have to build rituals around that. You have to build a, a practice, you know, an everyday, I call, I, I think it's an everyday practice because you would want something that's like glue. It's going to stick all the time. So you have to build a ri- rituals and habits, you know? And so once you build all those rituals and those habits, you know, like it could be making sure you get enough sleep, making sure you're meditating, make sure that you're, you're, you, um, you know, you're, you've got good self-talk, positive thinking, positive self-talk to yourself. Uh, make sure you're educating yourself. Um, Right. Surrounding yourself around. Yeah. No, what I was going to say is that for me, the key is what I always tell people is, is starting small. You're not going to do all of those things on, on day one. And I think that's no. what the mistake everyone no makes with whatever it is, whether it's weight loss, whether it's I'm going to run a marathon, right? They go out and run 10 100%. miles and then the next day they're in pain. But it's it's starting. It's recognizing, like you said, that list of those items or where you want to get recognizing that and then starting to figure out what those rituals are, what those habits are. I'm a huge habit person, right? I, every day I try yeah. and get up at four o'clock, whether I need to or not. It's just, I get up at that time and I have a, a strict routine basically that I follow because if I don't, it goes out the window, right? If I right. sleep in or 100%. days go by pretty soon, yeah, you're not meditating. Pretty soon you're not journaling. Pretty soon you're not working out. But the, the big key I try and tell everyone is to start those rituals, those habits very slowly and very mindfully, because if you yeah. just go all in, you're going to, you're going to fail at all of them instead oh, of 100%. one and perfecting it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that, um, you know, there's so much resistance and, and, and you're hardwired to not change, you know? Oh yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, so, so like, you're not just dealing with the idea of, oh yeah, I'd like to change. No, you you don't your body does not want to change and neither does your mind. And so right. so you know you've got to recognize that you you have an upward uphill battle ahead. And um and and but I think you're 100% correct. Like it has to start with um with you know being reasonable. You know, like you have to be reasonable. You can't you can't just um you know and and being reasonable means that you have to you have to reason with yourself. And, and, and find what are the things that you can do that you can make small changes with and, and play with it, you know, like experiment and have fun with it. And, you know, like I always uh, kind of use an example of like cold water therapy. Everyone talks about, oh, ice cold showers, how they're so great. You know, they're great for you, right? I mean, I do ice cold showers. I do five minutes every morning. And, um, but a lot of people are like, oh my God, I can't even, I can't do it. I can't ever do ice cold. I'm like, well, then just put it on warm. Yeah, just and start ju- slow, right? <laughs> start slow. Just slowly, slowly turn it down, turn it down. Right. And hey, I love exactly. a hot shower, right? I, I, I get back I think from we all do. whatever. But yeah, that is, you know, that's exactly what I tell people. It's like just slowly inch it down and get it cold. Yeah. It's like you want to cut out sugar. Just start taking your sugar and cutting it back a little bit, you know? 
and then and then gradually start replacing it with you know maybe something that's more natural like a more natural sweetener and then and then from there you know start cutting down on the natural sweetener and that's and the biggest it, question i get about waking up because people watch my videos they always know four o'clock is when i get up and it's a constant thing how do you wake up at four o'clock every single day and i didn't just one day i mean you can do this it, it makes it hard but i mean you just turn the alarm and start getting up that early but again it's a it's a gradual thing right if you normally get up at six start at 545 for four sure. or five days then to 530 and then work your way down and now I wake up at 3.50, 3.55, and the alarm never even goes off most of the time. Yeah, uh, but, exactly. But it's, but it's not something that I just said, hey, I'm going to do this and start doing it, right? That you can. Right. It's a very painful process. But if you – why not? If you haven't been doing it for five years, what's so important about doing it tomorrow? Do exactly. it in a week or two from now and gradually make the, the, the morph, the change, right? Make that transition slowly, and it'll be way less painful. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I think that, you know, that that's one of the things that I try to explain to people uh, with my morph method or even any of my coaching is that, you know, it's like fitness. I mean, you don't want it some, I mean, it's like someone coming into the gym and saying it hasn't worked out in, in a long time. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, throwing him, putting him through Murph. It's like, no, it's like, you can't do that. Like your body is going to go into shock. Your mind's going to go into shock. You're, like you're, you, it's just not going to be good for you. And so I always say, you know, you know, meditation, a really good app that I really liked was uh, that Sam Harris app, you know, waking up. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really found that to be quite helpful in, in people because he has a bunch of lessons on there and conversations with people. And it's not just like a meditation app. It's an educational app on the art of, of meditating. And, you know, meditation is a practice. You know, it's like people who meditate for years still have those voices in their heads. Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm it's, constantly it's just, trying to, I mean, I haven't been doing it very long, but it is a constant battle to bring yourself back to not letting your mind wander. Right. Yeah. But, but your mind, even if your mind wanders, it, it, it's going to wander. It, right. It's a point of, of not allowing. Just being it aware to, that it's happening. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, you know, for me, meditation is just things are appearing and they're disappearing. They're coming into your consciousness and they're going out of your consciousness. And, and, and you're not putting, you're not putting any sort of value on that. You're just observing it happening, you know? And, um, and so you're, you're not like, you know, listening, you know, on every occasionally you'll kind of go, Oh, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> let me explore that thought a little bit. And you'll kind of go off a little bit and tangent. Go, oh, wait, let me bring that. Let me go back. <laughs> let me go back to the center again. You know? And so, um, so meditation, I think could be quite powerful. Um, you know, the, uh, biggest shift I think in, in my life had, was the, um, was the shift into curiosity being the foundation of my mind and, uh, having curiosity sort of be at full, like 100% power, you know, it's like, you know, the, I, having a world of possibilities and opportunity and, and looking at everything through a very curious mindset of exploration, of discovery, um, evaluation, understanding, you know. Yeah. And, and and that's I a very hard have, thing for people to do, right? We have so many preconceived notions, so many things that we just want to believe in, right? We want to believe it's this way that it becomes very hard, even in conversation with people to, you know, it's one of the things that I, I've 
I listen to a lot of podcasts, but that's one of the things, you know, Joe Rogan can be a controversial figure, but he's a guy who is very curious. Yes. And I've always admired how curious he is um, and, and tried to put that into practice myself. And, and I think some people uh, will confuse being open-minded and curious with being naive or gullible, you know, like, like you're, like you, like all of a sudden you threw your discernment out the window, <laughs> you know, right, right, like, right. you're still going to have discernment, you know, what you're, what you're going to do is you're going to question, you know, where your beliefs are coming from, you know, and, and where, where you're getting your information from and, and try to do a reductionist theory where you're like, where you're just reducing, reducing, reducing it all the way back down to, okay, like, where did this come from? You know? And, um, and so I think that's really, uh, at the heart and soul of being open-minded, you know, and, uh, just being, being able to kind of go, you know, I'm going to listen to what your viewpoint is. I'm not going to shut you off. I'm not going to judge you. You know, I want to hear what you have to say, you know, and, and having that open mind, that curiosity, and then leading with your heart, being, being very open to like, uh, listening to the person you're talking to and actually showing an active interest in them by, you know, asking them questions and learning about as much as you can about them and what they're going through and what they're thinking and things like that. Um, I found that that shift in me really kind of rebooted my life, you know, and, right. and it changed my relationships quite drastically. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things I've done recently is tried to uh, be very aware of the negative thoughts, right? It's very easy when you are having a conversation with someone or you're hearing something to uh, immediately jump to what your opinion of, of it is or right, to start yep. thinking those negative thoughts about that topic or that person or some other person and and being very mindful of that and mm-hmm. And trying to change that perspective or look at it from a different angle and try and understand why, why does it upset me so bad? Why, why does this thing that this person does really upset me so bad? Or why, did, why does it affect me? Why does this reaction occur? Um, yeah. To try and kind of get to the root of some of those and try and understand uh, their perspective more. Uh, try not to uh, just jump, you know, rush to judgment. I I've always, you know, one of the things I always say I want to work on is, um, not being judgmental and not judging a book by its cover. And, uh, there's been a lot of things, you know, one of the biggest things I think that has helped me, uh, realize that is athletics and, you know, some of the the ultra running, one of the big things, right. Or Ironman Mm -hmm. is you, you go into these events and you're looking at everybody at the starting line and you're immediately judging who's who's good and who's not, right? Who should be here and who shouldn't. And it's a very right, right. easy thing to do. And then you get out there in hour five or hour 12 or hour 20, and you realize, you start to question, maybe I shouldn't be here, right? I mean, you're looking at who's passing right. you and who's doing, and it, you start <laughs> to get this perspective on things that, uh, and it's not just a, a fitness thing, right? It's a, it's a mental thing. It's an opinion. It's, it, it comes with opinions and, 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 and judging judging conversations or, or, or people or points of view just so quickly. And that's been a big thing I've tried to be very aware of and try and not rush to judgment. 
because usually that rush oh, yeah. judgment is a negative thing. That rush, you know, that's what I found is that rush judgment is a negative thought. It's never, yeah. it's not always a good thought. Most likely, it's a negative thought, right? You're rushing to a judgment. Yeah. And it's, it's typically something negative, is what I've found. Yeah. Interesting. Because, you know, we're seeing that right now play out quite a bit, you know, with this coronavirus type thing, right? Um, you know, you, you go on a Facebook and it's just, <laughs> I mean, you have, you know, conspiracy theories all on one side. Yes, <laughs> you, got, yes. you know, it's like, where the heck is this information at that I really need to have so I can make a good judgment about what is going on here? And everyone, everyone has an opinion. It's amazing. Yeah, well, that I mean, it's it's just that time, whether it's politics, right, or it's this, which is a lot of it's rooted in politics, right? The the yeah. the reactions and people's thoughts and and yeah, it is it is a I don't know. Social media is a very unsafe place at this time, right? I I mean, being so heavily yeah. involved in social media, those are you know religion and and politics and even the coronavirus just. Not sharing my opinion, not, you know, <laughs> it is, you know, I'm looking at everyone's opinion and I'll absorb it. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. just so polarizing at the moment. And, and it's all negative. It's very, very negative. It really is. And I, I find myself in the same position where where I'm like thinking, I always think twice, am I going to, do I want to comment on that? No, I really want to, but I'm not going to. And I just... Two things I'm not going to talk about. Three things I'm not going to talk about is going to be politics, religion, and coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's been my, my biggest <laughs> thing, right? Is people they want to ask my opinion or or and I really the problem with those some of those subjects, is, you know, politics and and even you know the virus is they lead to it's just a lot of negative a lot of negativeness yeah. in life, and I found that getting absorbed in it, it it's it's very negative. And trying to not focus on that and try and focus on things I can control. Yeah. And especially right now, being locked up, the family's here, right? Tension gets high when you're with people for long periods of time, right? Eventually, oh, man. you need I, your I space, the, right? Yeah, I heard the uh, domestic violence is through the roof. Divorce. All kinds of divorce. <laughs> <laughs> like, like right. oh my gosh, this is just nuts. So that's been the biggest thing is concentrating for me on positives, not letting myself go down those rabbit holes, focusing on what I can control, uh, and, and really trying to shift the focus to more positive things and not yeah, let and I think people engage me in those conversations. And yeah, and I think, I think that's, that's, um, you know, part of this practice that I, that I took on was, was taking opportunities to self-develop, you know, develop yourself, you know, wherever they, wherever they may be. I think this is a perfect example of an opportunity that people have that they can actually work on, you know, uh, their their speech, their speech, you know, their their you know their their language, you know, how how to communicate really well and and um, you know educate themselves and work on self development and get their diet under control and 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 if they haven't been working out, find a Zoom program that they can do in their house, you know, and start working out because you don't need very much of anything to work out nowadays. Uh, and there's not like there's a whole lot of accountability going on. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and and uh, and I think um, rather than uh, getting on Facebook and getting into these these uh, debates and and, uh, you know, and just bitching and moaning and whining and crying about all this that's going on. And, and um, you know, it, 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 meanwhile, it's kind of like, you know, there's probably a lot of work that you could be doing right now on yourself. 
Yeah, you if you know, put that energy you're... into yourself. Right. You know, like, I mean, the number one defense against this is is your diet, pretty much. I mean, they're finding out that, you know, you know, if you're metabolically challenged, that you're, you're going to have a hard time fighting this virus off. So, you know, what can you do? To, what can you do to get yourself super healthy? As with any virus, fit? right? Yeah. I mean, and that's not the, that's not to say that this virus isn't deadly. It is. You know, and for, you know, I mean, we, we, I got a 70, 71 year old mom. I would, I mean, I'm definitely paranoid about her getting this. I mean, she's got, you know, uh, some, you know, insulin issues and she's got a lot of, you know, just a lot of autoimmune problems. And so, you know, I don't want her getting this. So obviously I, I see this as very, very serious. And, um, but at the same time, it's like, I'm like, mom. Make sure you're exercising. Make sure you're getting the right type of foods in your body. Stop drinking alcohol. You know, <laughs> come back. You know what I mean? It's like you know, like let, let's get you know, let's get you super healthy. You know, and I'm trying to, and so I think that's mainly uh, what I think that you know when 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 you can't control what's going on, you got to look at what is it that you can control, and what you can control is is what you bring into your body. You know, and, and, and also, you know, the information you bring into your body and how it affects you. Um, and so I think, you know, that's I mean, that's one of the, the, the pieces of my program that I really love to, you know, kind of share with people is, is, is you know, your environment has a big, a big impact on you. The people that you're around you has a big impact on you. <laughs> you know, yep. what you do has a big impact on you. It's like everything is impacting you. And so, you know, learning about how all these things actually impact you is is incredibly important for self-awareness. Yeah, exactly. So, well, that's kind of a good transition to kind of talk about what it is exactly that you're doing, kind of what is the program and where people can can find you and learn about you and, and uh, you know, essentially, how's it work? Sure. So, um the Morph Method for me is uh, it's, it's mindful. It stands for mindful, organized rituals performed honestly each day. So, you know, mindfulness, organization, rituals, and then perform means that, you know, you have to actually perform. You're going to put effort into action. That's what performance is. It's putting effort into action. And then, and then honestly, is being truthful to yourself, to those around you, um, you know, high levels of integrity. Um, and then uh, every day is just keeping a consistency in your life. Uh, so I found that, um, you know, that, that, you know, morph method really kind of, I kind of like the acronym. It's, it's, I was kind of, I found it uh, pretty profound when I came up with it. And I was like, That's, <laughs> I was morph. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I hadn't, you know? I, I've seen your morph method, but I hadn't actually heard that description of it. And that's, uh, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah, thank you. And I thought it was clever. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to actually create a program out of that. And so, you know, my first, my first stage, obviously, is I, I, I need to keep developing it. And, and, um, you know, so it's an extension of my, myself, just like my martial arts was an extension of me, just like my Taekwondo program, you know, was an extension of me and my, my CrossFit program was an extension of me. You know, I, re I really want, uh, it was one of the things that kind of really bothered me about, uh, the CrossFit movement and how, um, it, just didn't evolve you know it kind of like it started to evolve but it was too late by the time it started to evolve and i really think that um uh, one of the things like uh I, one of the people i really look up to is marcus philly 
and how he really evolved his program, you know, and, and, um, and kind of built it based on him and, and how he looks at his fitness and stuff. And, and so I really look up to him and what he did with his deal. And, um, and I feel like that's the, that, that, that was kind of like the shift I was kind of making in my own program. Uh, I wasn't exactly doing exactly what Marcus is doing. He's way more advanced than I am, but, but I was doing my own version of that to some degree. And, um, and now I kind of follow him and I think he's, he's brilliant. And so, uh, but I think that that's what, in uh, CrossFit was missing was that evolution into a model that was much more sustainable and more healthy and one that would consistently evolve. And, um, and so, so I think the first stage in my morph method is to, is to keep evolving it. You know, I want to bring it, build it into a program that um, I could teach it to people. I could do workshops, seminars. Um, mainly I would be coaching coaches um, although there would be a segment that I would teach the general population, you know, about. Um, but I have a coaching program that I, I started to coach my, my, before I sold off my gym, my last gym here. Um, I was, I coached the, the um, my staff in communication and the power of communication. And I think that that was something that was never taught to me. Like no one ever taught to me, taught me that in, in my, my martial arts, no one ever taught me that in my, my fitness. I didn't learn that until I went through the life coaching course that I'm going through over at New Vibe on, um, on just how powerful, uh, sharpening your communication skills really are, really can be to the infrastructure of your organization as a whole. Because, you know, it's a coaching program, right? So fitness, you know, CrossFit's coaching, fitness is coaching. And, and, but a lot of times uh, these coaches are just telling you what to do, you know, and even right. though they, they right. themselves believe they're life coaches because they communicate and they, 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 they're able to have a good relate, personal relationship with their, with their, with their clients and whatnot. And, you know, and they give their clients advice on other things. Um, that communication can, is something that you can really develop, uh, into an art and, um, you know, and, and learning how to ask, Deep questions and really, uh, you know, because questions is what stimulates the brain. You know, when people come into class or a CrossFit class, they're not being asked, you know, hey, how, how are you feeling today on right. a scale of one to 10? How, how, how are you feeling today in your mind, your emotion state? How about your body? How is your body? And if we knew before we started every class where someone was mentally, emotionally and physically, even if it's just like a scale of one to 10, just a ballpark, it at least as coaches gauges us on how we can interact with that person throughout the program, throughout the class. And, you know, it's just something simple as that. And then, and then, um, talking to people about, you know, how the value of, of having good questions that you can ask members of the gym, it takes them out of their, out of their reptilian brain into their, into the thought process part of their brain. And it gets their mind, their mind actually really thinking. And it gets them, it gives them a bigger experience in the, in the, in the, in, the, in their workouts. And in the gym as a whole, plus it creates a lot of community. I know there's a lot of like icebreakers and things like that that people talk about in the classes and stuff like that. But, but I think if, if you could bring in more, you know, like uh, d- deep questions, and I have a whole list of questions you could be asking people to really stimulate a lot of their thinking, you're going to get a lot more people that are engaged in the program. Right. And, and just then, showing and then, empathy for their response. Right. It's, it's not just exactly. asking the question and, and, you know, here's my list of questions. Give me your response and move on. Right. There, there is yeah. a skill 
in communicating and showing empathy to their response and understanding and and then use actually using it and acting on it. That's right. You know, I mean, your eyes, you know, being focused in on uh, on um, really kind of listening with your whole body, you know, you know, not just like, you know, listening and hearing what you want to hear, but the listening to that person, giving them your entire body, like all of your attention, you know, and that's what empathy is, is really giving all of what you have to that person in a very deep way and um, and opening up your mind. And and, and um, I think when people really feel like that's who they're being coached by, like that level of person, they are going to be a much more in love with their coach and much more in love with their program, much more into in, in tune with what's going on. And, 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 and that rapport that you can build with your members just will go through the roof, you know, um, because, you know, people, they don't want to come to the gym just because of the gym and the equipment and just because of the music, just because of, the, the the program that you have going there they're coming there for the entire experience you know and so so i think uh so that's 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 one thing that i think uh could make a big shift and so i teach a class on i'm gonna be teaching a class on communication you know and so it'll be a, a you know coaching coaches so in essence uh what my goal would be eventually would be to bring a lot of the life coaching principles that i found that are not being um uh, represented in fitness and uh, by health professionals and and bring those principles into that world and actually teach it, teach those life coaching principles to these coaches, these fitness coaches in order to, to really elevate their game. Yeah, no, that would be, that's probably one of the biggest reasons I stopped going to the gyms I've stopped going to is, um, is that connection to the coaching staff, right? Either not that they're not good people, not that they're not educated and they, you know, and that they don't know how to train people. It's that connection to why I'm there, what I'm trying to achieve, and then trying to, and maybe it's just not the program in the gym to adapt their program, but that that's in a sense, a problem for me is that if it's at some level, them understanding what my goals are and, and, and where I'm trying to go and, and, and having that uh, interest in what I'm trying to achieve. You know, it's yeah, I'd say. I mean, if your coach isn't interested in you, like to the degree that you really feel like they, 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 they should be or that you would want them to be. I mean, you know, they, you're really, they, they could take it or leave it, you know, like your members right. could take it or leave it. And, and I think that's, that's one of the things I suffered from a lot. As, as a gym owner is not understanding that I did not understand the power of that. And it, it really, it crushed me once I found out just how powerful that really was. And it was just too late by the time I tried to implement it, you know? <laughs> um, but even in my short little period of time from, from what I implemented it to now, it's like, you know, I think one of the things that people say is God, Jake changed a lot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear about, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, really? You think so? You're like, yeah, you changed like so much. I'm like, well, okay, I'll take that as a compliment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just seeing and and people seeing you on a daily basis, they probably can't see that transition, right? Just the difference in you uh, probably over the last year or so. There's a lot of humility in it, I think. You know, it's like when you realize that you've been um, operating at such a low level, 
and, and thinking that you're operating on a high level and then you come to that realization, you kind of just go, whoa, was I, was I delusional or what? You know, and right. no wonder why I, you know, wonder why those members left or wonder why that happened. I wonder why that, geez, now I know why all those things happened. It was like, I was just so caught up in my own little world. I didn't have the means to really kind of self reflect, you know, which is one of the, that's one of the biggest parts of the Morph method is, is teaching people the power of, of rituals, you know, because in those rituals, like you do your journaling, you do all your, all that work. It's like, there's a, you, when you do your, um, like for instance, my, my, my day starts with, you know, I'll, I'll go use the bathroom, whatever. And then I'm, I'm going to go shock myself with a cold ass shower because it's going to force me to have to breathe in really deep in and out in order for me to deal with it. And the cold water in Seattle is freezing. <laughs> I mean, it is so darn cold. It hurts. It hurts. Oh, your yeah. Body. Oh, yeah. It'll burn you. It'll burn you. And so I get in that cold water and there is nothing you can do. You can't think of anything. Like you're just trying to survive and you're just breathing and breathing and breathing. And, and uh, you can feel that cold water, but you're breathing in warm air. And so, you know, you, you're not, nothing bad's going to happen to you. And so, so, you know, you're, you're dealing with this cold water and it's, 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 uh, it's a place where, you know, you close your eyes and, and when you look into the back of your eyelids, it's like infinite, infinite amount, infinity, infinite, excuse me, infinite amount of space in your, in your visual field when you close your eyes and you're in that space. And I find that the, that cold water mixed with closing my eyes and being in that visual space and, and breathing really deep puts me into such a meditative state. You know, it's really hard to think about anything else. You know, you don't, the only resistance you're really coming up against is I'm in really cold water and I want to get out of this cold water, <laughs> you know, but you're not going to allow yourself to. And so, so it's like self-inflicted. And um, so, but once I come out of there, I go into a deep meditation for about another 10, 15, 20 minutes, depending on, you know, how I'm feeling. And, um, and then I just, I'll, I, while I'm meditating, I will, there's going to be things floating around in my brain. I'll have these thoughts about, and then as soon as I'm done meditating, I'll just go over and I'll start journaling. And I'll journal what was, you know, what I'm thinking about, what's hot, what's heavy on my mind, all that kind of stuff. And then I, I'll start looking at self-reflection, you know, like, where am I today? Where was I yesterday? Where am I going? What am I going to do today? And then I'll write out my day, schedule it all out because I'm freeing up mental space, right? Because I want to be creative today. You know, today's a new day. It's a brand new day. I'm reborn into this day. And although there may be some things from the past that are coming into this world, it's a new world. And, right. and so yeah, I, had this, be me. I had this thought this morning that was, uh, you know, thinking about us and uh, as I was sitting down to to write my thoughts down, which is a funny thing, because before I started journaling, I looked at it as, what in the hell am I going to write down? Right? <laughs> right. What, 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 what do I need to write down every single day? And it's funny when I sat down for the first time and start thinking about the day before and the day ahead. And this morning I had this thought of, uh, as I was sitting there, it's, it's really in that journal, that daily entry, it's the wisdom of yesterday. And then yeah. the, the dream or the, the goal of today. Right. And it's really, that's what that, that page or two really is. It's what did you take every day? You, you're getting wiser every day, right? You are learning something every day and it's applying that, thinking about that, reflecting that, and then figuring out how 
you're going to use that or what you're going to accomplish that day. And it became very easy to write. Yeah. And just, oh, and yeah. just let it pour it out. It doesn't have to mean anything. It doesn't have to read well. It doesn't, however you write it, paragraphs, you know, story, bullet points, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter, right? It, it's getting I mean, the thoughts I mean, out. This is, this is like just, just this morning. Yep. Before, before we were, <laughs> before we met up. That, man, got, yeah. He's showing three, four. six pages. Yeah, six pages of just you know? uh, of, of of journaling or writing down notes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. And so, you know, um, and I and I, I listen to Tony. Probably doesn't know this, but Tony Blower from the Spirit Method. I, oh yeah. You know, I, I listen to a lot of his stuff and. My goal is to one day become one of his instructors or work with him in some way. But yeah, he's um, a great guy. Oh, I love that guy to death. Man. He's amazing. Um, and so, um, so I, I watch all of this stuff, and you know, and there's a lot of a lot of crossover, you know, with what he's coaching because he's such a psychology guru. And so, you know, but knowing fear and how that you know impacts you and you know in your life and stuff like that, and in your decision making and a, you know a dualistic mindset and stuff like that. But, you know, the journaling for me is, um, you know, it always is like it's a it's a trinity of life. You know, you have what became, what became, become, and then becoming. And you have those three different lives. You have your past, your present, your future. And then you have in the in the future, you have the past, present, and future. And in your past, you had a past, present, and future and then you have a seventh domain, which is encircling all three of those triplets into one. And 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 that's really, uh, I think, where journaling kind of really kind of can, can really help people out is that in your past, you know, you have those three components, a past, a present and a future. Your present, you have right now a past, a present and a future. And then in your future self, you're going to have a past, a present and a future Right. And and so and so where your point of view right now when you're journaling, I think is like I said, it's it's the encircling of all three of those triplets into one unit and then writing about your life from that point of view. And uh, and I really feel like um that that is uh is something that's really kind of helped me out. In fact, I started writing uh it started spiking this like um creative process inside me where I started writing poetry, you yeah. know, as a way yeah, yeah, yeah. of being able to as almost like a short form of remembering certain uh, little epiphanies that I've had, uh, yeah. little uh, pearls of wisdom that I gain. I'll just I'll, I'll write a poem about it because I find that my mind is so creative in that way that all of a sudden I'm just like I'm I'm like in this dream state of flow state I guess is what you want to call it. And in that flow state I I I sort of write kind of like in a in poetic type of, type of ways. Uh, much different than when I'm in like a real super analytical sort of state of mind. And, um, and so I really found that to be a powerful tool was, you know, and I think, you know, at that point, yeah. it's like almost a feeling of like painting what it is you're visualizing in your brain or, or, you know, sculpting or whatever, some other creative process or making music for that matter. Um, but I really think that, um, you know, from, from those rituals, you know, with that, with the journaling, the self reflection, the organizing of your thoughts and then being scheduled throughout the day and then having goals and, and then, um, you know, going about achieving those goals. Um, and then making sure everything that you're doing is pretty tight. You know, your, your diet, your, your, your water intake, your, 
you know, all these things, your workouts are really organized and, and put together in a way, you know, and when it comes to working out, I don't even like think about, um, what exactly, um, how hard I'm going to go. I just do it based on how I feel, you mm-hmm. know, I just, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't ever get, I don't ever get anxiety about working out. Like I used to, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm just going to go do whatever it is that I do, <laughs> whatever right. my body's going to do, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, however I feel. You know, so, yeah, so yeah. You know, being so relaxed like that, I found that I actually get really, really great workouts in um, because it's it's just so much more uh, liberated to be right. free like that. Right. Yeah. I don't I don't give myself that flexibility at this point only because typically at, well, at this point I'm training for something. Right. So I That's have right. a schedule. Yeah, I have something that I'm working towards. But yeah. what I have become uh, more aware of or more accepting of is. Uh, pivoting or changing what's happening on that day based on how I feel. If it's a bad day, if it doesn't feel good, then just let it go, right? And yeah. and allow yourself to let that go and then get back to a good place the next day. Because whatever happened in that workout that day, whatever's on the schedule, it's it's, it's not that important in the grand scheme of something that is months long. What's more important is uh, realizing it, adjusting and yeah, cutting it short, whatever it is, adjusting the intensity so that the next day you can start to get back on track. Nice. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think that's the one thing is it's like everything is personal. Everything is based on what people want. There's not a one size fits all application to yeah. anything. You know, it's like, um, you know, I, I always get the, oh, I can never do that, you know. And I always, I, I, used, to, I used to do this in um, in martial arts also. But, you know, when someone said, oh, I can't do that, I go, okay, I, I, can't, I guarantee you if I put a gun to your mom's head and I was going to sh- pull the trigger, you would do it. <laughs> you figure out how it. to do it, right? You can yep. figure out yep. how to do it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I mean, a lot of things people will you know, just say, oh, I just can't do it or I won't do it or anything like that. It's like, no, you just you just don't want to do it. Yeah, no, that's you know? exactly. I have found I try and never I try and always be very aware and never say I could never do that. Right. Uh, or right. I can't do that. And and control that urge and realize it's either that I don't want to do it is typically what the answer is. Right. I could never get yeah. up at 4 a.m. Well, no, that's bullshit. You, you could. If you wanted to, right? Yep. I could never do this. It, it's 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 shifting that perspective of and realizing and owning it. I don't want to do it. I could never run a hundred miles. No, no, no. You you don't want to ever run a hundred miles. Is really the answer, right? And it's yeah, it's right. becoming aware. I've tried to become very aware of that reaction to things because uh, I used to have it, right? When I got into doing certain things in fitness, it's like yeah, I don't. <laughs> I could never swim 10 miles. I could never run a hundred miles. I could never, but, and, and learning that that is, that that's, that's a cop out in a sense, right? It, it's realizing that, no, I, I just don't want to do it or I'm limiting yeah. myself immediately to, to not being able to achieve it. And that comes back to that, that self-talk. Yeah. And, and so I have a hack for that, that I created. And I mean, obviously this is, this is my own personal hack, but if some people can get a, you know, get gain something from this, I'll tell them what it is. But, you know, basically what I did was, I mean, that self-talk is um, also um, something that I do every morning as well. So um, I'll do it after my meditation. And basically what it is, is I recorded my voice of 
of uh, and in the recording, it's my own voice because when you know when we are going throughout our day, that voice inside of our brain, a lot of times it's our voice, you know. And I mean, so so I recorded my own voice, and it is uh, it's something like you know you know today you're you know you're reborn today into a new world, and and you know you know and, and I go through this whole entire self talk, and then and then um, so there's like an introduction to it to what I'm going to be doing, and then uh, to the day, and then. There's like a, um, a self affirmations, you know, and I list as many as I possibly can. Like, you know, I am creative. I am strong. I am smart. I am, I am, a, you know, I'm going to do great things today. You know, all these type of things. And I will, I will say every one of these things I say with incredible conviction, like, you know, with every amount of conviction I, I can possibly have. I don't just like just speak into the microphone. I actually say it like I'm really want my body to absorb the impact of what I'm saying. And I record this and I, and my recording is about seven and a half minutes long. So it's seven and a half minutes me telling myself, you know, these, these amazing affirmations that I've come <laughs> up with. And, um, and, and I remember when I first did it, it was like two minutes long. And then I, I keep writing down the a list of them. I keep adding to the list, adding to the list, adding to the list. So I finally came up with a recording every, it's probably like the fifth time recording it. And it was seven and a half minutes long. And it's the one I use today every day and uh, you know i just put it on my on my recorder on my phone and i just put the headphones in i close my eyes and it's like after i meditate i just put that on and, and i just walk around and make my coffee make my breakfast i'm just listening and listening to that those affirmations and so i i found that to be really really powerful and then um <clears throat> and one other thing i did uh which i found to be kind of interesting was i found a hypnotist online uh, that has recordings and they, they, they as a, he has one for success, uh, one, um, one for health. And you know, he's got these different topics, but, he, but they're about an hour long. And, um, and so, so I'll put those, I'll put that on, uh, on my phone and I'll listen to it while I'm going to bed. Hmm. And and I'll get into a state of being hypnotized, and so that by the time I'm done with listening, I don't even remember the ending of his of his of his program. I'm just like I'm out cold, but I, but I I put that into my subconscious mind every night, you know, hmm. a success yeah. a success one, and um, and I found that to be amazing because i like you know i was having difficulty waking up and i was having difficulty getting motivated and inspired and stuff and i found that by doing that at night before i went to bed it was a great way to settle down from the day and just sort of like get myself into a really good uh, mindset and um and the way he does it he does it in a way where he's using these um frequencies that really penetrate your subconscious mind he's a neuroscientist and so he put together like a, quite a quite a compilation. <laughs> so ah, um, you have to send me the link so I can include it with the show so that people can look that up. Yeah, I will. I mean, the guy is he's he's an old man now. I mean, he's an older gentleman. He's um, but I'll say I'll send you a link to that. You know, yeah, you can, that'd be cool. That's one of the I biggest things I think I'm looking at now. Trying to I've been aware of it, but I'm now. I'm ready for a new ritual or a new habit or a new thing to add. My, my morning routine is, I think, fairly solid at this point, you know, getting up and the things mm -hmm. I do and the meditation and the journaling, the working out, all, all of that stuff, just it's, it's very natural. It happens all the time. 
the yeah. the area that I need to work on or I want to focus on now is that ability to shut my brain off at the end of the day and mm -hmm. and be able to calm it down, be able to turn off stuff so that I can yeah. actually fall asleep and get the sleep I need because I find that, yeah, I lay there and lay there and thinking and thinking and thinking of new things. Or, yeah, what am I going to do with the podcast? Like last night, could not turn my brain off, right? What, you know, <laughs> thinking about right. the, the podcast and, and what I'm going to do and, and, and getting to the point where, yes, I can come up with a ritual, a method, something that allows me to fall asleep and, and, and get the rest I need. That's, that's really the next area for me to focus on. Yeah, and I think that um, I used to have a lot of resistance. I mean, with all these Netflix shows out now, I mean, some of these Netflix shows are just absolutely amazing. And, you know, and, and so, you know, we'll go on a Netflix binge. All of a sudden, I'll, I'll look at the clock and it's 1030 at night. And I'll be like, oh, darn, I'm so used to going to bed at 930, but we watch this other one. And then I try to go to bed right after that. And I'm just like, my mind is just like so crazy. But um, I know that if I go to, if I shut the TV off at 930, um, and I turn off all the electronics, like, you know, screw Facebook, all that, you know, Instagram, all that, just like shut everything down. And I just go and I just lay in bed and listen to some music. And, um, and then I'll kind of just relax, stretch out a little bit. Um, and then, uh, listen to music and just try to get into like, do some breath work. Then I, um, then I, I have a tendency to uh, be in a better mind mind frame to to uh, sort of go to sleep, and then and then I add this this program, this uh, hypnotic uh, program into the mix, and and man, it just puts me into a whole different world. I mean, I can't even explain it. It's 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 pretty amazing. Cool. Yeah, send me that link so we can get that up there. Okay, I will for sure. <laughs> we went down a little bit of the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, I know I'm going to have you back on so we talk about more things, but we've been going sure. for like an hour and a half sure. here. It's hard to believe. I know. I Just can't chatting believe away. It. Um, but uh, at least before we're done, share uh, where people can find you, what uh, social media or website you'd like them to be able to look you up. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the website that I'm still developing, it's uh, you are able to go onto it. It's called Mort, M-O-R-P-H-E-D, method.com. Um, and you can uh, definitely connect with me through there. Um, you can also uh, reach me at my Gmail address, which is jakeplatt68 at Gmail. And uh, Instagram, my uh, my my uh, name on Instagram is jakeplatt68. And so you can uh, reach me there as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm right now it's like I'm completely available for anyone to just reach out to me and I can, uh, you know, have a chat with them about uh, what it is they've got going on. If they have any uh, challenges they'd like to take on or learn more about the morph method, I can help them out with, you know, in some way. Very cool. So, well, thanks. Well, I'll include those links as well so people can connect with you and uh, start to learn. All right. It sounds great, Chris. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's been yeah. awesome to catch up with you. Well, man, when uh, when all of this is done, uh, we always talk about it, either you coming down or, or me going up. You, you're usually down here more than I've been up there, but I've been wanting to uh, get the family up to Seattle. And uh, Come and, on up, and, man. It'd be awesome to have you. 
And we now have, uh, it's going to be a lot easier because my wife has a girlfriend who uh, just moved up there who really one of her best friends. So they're, they're, it's very easy to get her bought into going up there now. So. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, you know what? I'm always going to be coming down to California. I got, uh, you know, I got my buddy, Paul Austin, oh, yeah. you know, over yep. there across the yep. rock. So, um, and so I'll be, uh, definitely coming down and hanging out with him. So when I'm, when I come down, if I come down before then I'll make sure I reach out to you and we link up for sure. Good deal, man. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a great day. Thanks. All right, man. Well, that is it for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was, uh, an hour and a half of just chatting and uh, talking about all kinds of stuff. But uh, that's that's essentially what's going to continue to happen each week here on the on the show. So hope all of you are doing well and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.